0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. Not acceptable.
0: Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com.
2: It's like a radio station.
0: Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers.
1: Pure athlete, yeah. i transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. I'm
0: right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into this week's proceedings on another episode of Longhorn Blitz. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. Click the follow button to get every episode of the flagship state of recruiting and Longhorn Blitz, and don't forget to leave us a five star review if you'd be so kind to do so. Uh, check out all the great Horns twenty four seven podcasts and all the great podcasts across the twenty four seven Sports Network. And yes, we are live each and every Tuesday night seven o'clock on the Horn in Austin. If you're in Austin, it's on the dial at one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and at Horn FM. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir?
1: Doing pretty well, man. How about you?
0: Not too shabby. And he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, it's Rod
2: Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother.
0: Rod, you, you're going to be uh, donating any of these uh, name, image, and likeness causes going on on the 40 Acres right now?
2: Uh, I think that's a little out of my, out of my <laughs> depth right there. That's, uh, that's Kenny Vaccaro money. I'm not a corporation or a business myself, so I'll leave that to the people who are the entrepreneurs.
0: By the way, shout out Kenny Vaccaro, officially retired from the National Football League. Uh, he's got his... Uh, he's going into eSports. Yeah. yeah, so props to Kenny Vaccaro. He's also involved with the Clarkfield Collective, that name, image, and likeness uh, entity, if you will. There's also the... Uh, uh, Horns with Hearts, that's the offensive line initiative, so we've got the... the
2: Horns is like a, a like a, a separate, like a charitable name, image, and likeness company. The, they, they, their initiative though is with the... the offensive line. Pancakes, right? Yeah. yeah. Pancake, Pancake Factory. Factory or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so they're just... Good branding. Specifically going to target O-linemen, but the guy said they want to they want to really be involved with all sports mm-hmm. and all student-athletes on the yeah. 40 Acres. So, so. Uh, you've it's got cool.
0: the, the Burn In's program that gives tight ends a little bit of love. So uh, Name, Image, and Likeness is finally rolling uh, on points. the 40 Acres. Uh, but we've got a lot to get to besides Name, Image, and Likeness. Well, I guess roster well, management does deal with a little bit of Name, say, Image, and a, Likeness.
2: big part of it now, man. So
0: <laughs> let's start yeah. here because I think this is the easiest place to start because I, I, I don't I don't know where this is going or if it's, if it's just a dead end or, you know, it's obviously a big story when and you hear a name like Gary Patterson connected oh, yeah. to Texas. And what I can say on this podcast is pretty much what we've reported on the site to this point. Gary Patterson and Cristel Conte have had some conversations. Nice. Gary Patterson and Steve uh, Gary Patterson and Steve Sarkeesian don't know each other. I do. I don't think we'll see anything happen on this until after signing day. Okay. Number one, there are no staff openings right now for on-field roles right
2: now. Yes. Could and Sark,
0: trust me, it's not just lip service. Sark's number number one priority, and there's not a close second right now. Do as much work as you can to rebuild this roster with your 2022 recruiting class leading up to signing day, which as we sit here right now and record the show is eight days away when the early <laughs> signing window opens. Yeah, That's Sark's top priority. Once the window closes, then I think you'll see movement on the coaching staff, which by the way, if you want to set staff changes at one and a half, I'll take the over. Okay, on staff changes. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at right now.
2: Mm, I can see that. You hear, no, you they hear enough. You hear enough things keep, behind the scenes. They want to keep consistency, and the only name that's coming up is Terry Joseph's name for the Brian Kelly staff, being a symbol there at LSU. And you know, I don't know what the timetable would be on that. Uh, obviously, Brian Kelly wanted to bring in you know Marcus Freeman. He's now the head coach mm-hmm. at Notre Dame and he did retain Corey Raymond who's the longtime DB coach there at LSU but I don't think he's going to be the pass game coordinator and that's what Terry Joseph probably would come in and do but I mean first you got to assemble the staff and, and he's, he's already been. done that for Brian Kelly once and he's done that for Brian Kelly once so that's the one name that that comes up that and that may not that that be great for Sark he could upgrade without having to fire a coach technically
1: and that's why I was going to ask Jeff on this over under now there's two ways to lose people. You lose people either by getting rid of them or they go on to another job. Is it each ha- case scenario or talking uh, more of a scenario where eh, it's the one and a half more of people leaving to go join another I, job?
0: I think the bottom line, Matt, is I think there are a couple of positions on the staff where Sark is looking to
2: upgrade. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you should always be looking to upgrade if, po- if possible.
0: I don't believe defensive coordinator is one of those positions, which gets back to the Gary Patterson discussion. Mm. So I know he and Chris Conte have had conversations. I still have not been told a specific role that's been offered him. I know there's reports out there and suggestions on what a role could be. I have not. I've talked to people that have talked directly to Gary Patterson, and there's been nothing said about a specific role. The One thing I have been told is Gary Patterson would not come to Texas in an analyst role. So okay. it would if, if Gary Patterson ends up on this staff, it would have to be in in an on-field role, one of those ten assistant coaches. In other words, he's it not means, just going to sit back and crush film and no. go hang out in Dripping Springs on the okay.
2: weekend. That makes sense. I mean, I, he's Gary Patterson. So yeah, so I yeah. don't I don't know if it's going to work out or not. And and he's, he's got options. He's got
0: probably. he's going to have options. He yeah. could have head coaching options. I mean, look, yeah. we don't know what <laughs> what's going to happen with <clears throat> Oregon's open. I know Chip Kelly's name has prominently been thrown out there. If UCLA were to open, I actually got some correspondence this weekend letting me know, hey, if UCLA were to open, don't be shocked if Gary Patterson's name comes up as a potential candidate there. Aren't he and Bob Stoops close? Uh, they
2: have a relationship?
0: I don't know. how. I'd be lying if I told you I knew how close they were. Right?
2: Oh, oh, Mac Engel reported that okay. Bob Stoops well, didn't. You know, close. Then they the, got then
0: take Mac Engel at his word, I guess, For if you yeah. want to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. So he's going to have options. I do think though there's a lot about Texas I've been told that intrigues him, namely I think for him to help Texas make this transition to the SEC intrigues him and I think to I think he likes the idea of getting back to talent evaluation and player development without being in necessarily in that head coaching position.
1: Take a step back. You just you become a football guy.
0: I was waiting. I was going to see if somebody said it, but yeah, <laughs> thank you, Rod. Not for have that. to do with all the
1: other stuff. Yeah.
0: So, but, and the other thing I've been told, too, is if he's got a chance to be a coordinator at a job where it's not a given you win a national championship, but you've got a real chance to go win a national championship, because it's, well, that's the only thing missing from his resume at this point, is a national championship. Yeah. Uh, that's something that would excite him. So, I... I would say, yes, the buzz is out there. I would say just slow down on Gary Patterson in Texas because this is going to take some time. And like I said, he is going to have plenty of options on yeah. what he wants to do. And he, he might decide, man, this isn't the year to get back into it right now. Maybe he wants to wait for something that entices him a little bit more. Could be. Maybe I mean, he wants to see if a year from now maybe Texas has a defensive coordinator opening. I, I don't know. That's, that's speculative. On my
2: part. No, I'm just saying it could be too. i I said, if him and Stoops were close, I wonder if Venables would look at him as a, as a DC.
0: Maybe. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I don't know. Like I, 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 don't, you know I, mean, I don't know the relationship, but I, I'm with you. I think Gary Parsons is going to have options. And, yeah, I, I think he doesn't want the analyst role because I believe based on NCAA uh, descriptions, right, and their rules, it actually limits what the analyst can do, mm-hmm. right, in their role. I don't know if it limits the pay, I believe it may though, but it 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 definitely limits what you can do in your participation. Sure. And I don't think he wants that limitation yeah. at all. He he's likes like,
1: being on the field. type He wants aspect. to be yeah,
2: yeah. He he wants to go yell at some hands kids on. and he <laughs> wants to get his hands no, he get his hands dirty. No, but he's a passionate guy. Yeah, and I, hands I think on, be a him in a coach. film room that's and that's strictly that I can tell why for him like that that turned him off. He's like, nah, I, I'm not that.
0: And he basically how you see Nick Saban with the Alabama defensive backs. That's basically how Gary Patterson – He's like, you, talk, you talk to people around that program. Like, Gary Patterson was the corners coach.
2: Yeah. For and for Texas, I mean, you mm-hmm. you can get an upgrade there. Him as your secondary coach, that'd be That'd be a, coup.
1: So that'd what, be a hell of
2: a coup And well, We've
1: talked about how much – how you know, with a coach like Sark, who's an OC becoming a head coach and needing those complimentary old football heads on the team. Like, oh, Gary Patterson's exactly that. He, he's almost like your – Battery mate can be that opposite version that can always just be a checks and balances and be a guy that is an expert almost on the other side and can always at least be seeing things from a different prism the way that Sark sees things. Well, and Sark can be his offensive head coach like like you're presenting there. I I think more importantly, too, because
2: I agree with everything you said, that also he knows the conference, and P.K. did not seem to really know the ecosystem of yep. the Big 12 very well, and he didn't seem to adapt to the ecosystem very well. Gary Patterson, one thing he knows is the Big 12, and he knows the culture of the Big 12 offensively, how it's evolved. Uh, so I think that's where he would also be a resource. I mean, the truth is, Texas allowed six 6.1 yards per play. This year, Mm -hmm. that ties for the most yards per play allowed by a Texas defense in the history of the program. They allowed 5.2 yards per rush this year. The second most yards per rush allowed by any defense in the history of the Texas program. Got to go all the way back to that dreaded 1956 year before a Texas defense allowed more yards per rush. They need help. Yeah. They need help. And it ain't just Jimmy's and Joe's. Yes, they have talent deficiencies. But that team got worse um, as the season progressed, we
0: talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: there was a clear disconnect between coordinating the coverages with the with the pressure schemes up front and with the fronts as they the multiple fronts that they presented.
1: That yeah. was a clear disconnect. Texas finished 118th versus the run. Uh, that's be of PFF. Yeah.
0: So there's the Gary Patterson thing hanging out there. And again, I would just caution. I was urged patience on that deal to see if anything, and it could. It, at the end of the day, Rod, it could be a big nothing burger. I don't know, nothing, but, but
2: we'll see. We'll see what happens. Watch that Brian Kelly thing, because if he ends up pulling Terry Joseph, then that could be the domino that you may mm-hmm. be waiting on. Also, they—they they, uh, man, Brian Kelly fired Moffitt, too, or at least that's that, that, that was, was. I think that may have something to do with either. Because remember, he's probably going to try to bring in his strength and conditioning coach, so maybe there was already some. I don't know, some disgruntlement there, if you will. Um, but also, Moff has been around for a while, right? Tommy
0: Moff has been there since 2000. He was, so I think, he was a Nick Saban guy.
2: I think he's worried about he's got more street cred <laughs> than I do here. And every decision I make, he can essentially he he disagrees with he it within the hierarchy. Him. Yeah, you you have to deal with him undermining, you have to deal with insubordination because in terms of respect, he's been there with all he's won he's been there with all the national titles you've yes. won lately. Mm-hmm. Like all three of them. He, I think there's a yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I can think of. But if you're Texas, you gotta look at that. I mean, could you upgrade strength and conditioning coaches? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, here's the thing about strength conditioning. I know conditioning.
1: y'all want to do it, but I'm just. No, here's the I thing like, about strength conditioning. Mean, it could be an upgrade. Speaking of people getting fired, Joe Brady got fired. Joe Brady got fired. <laughs> I, mean, you've been, I mean, watch that at Oklahoma. That'd be oh, scary. Oh, I know. Or yeah, wherever. Or, or wherever. Or yeah. Brad Kelly at LSU. NFL, oh, I mean, I know you probably yeah. got the Minnesota Vikings and all the players with the Bengals being like, hey, we need to go get that guy to fix us. Here's, yeah.
0: the, here's the thing about Torrey back then in strength conditioning. So when Sark got the job, I was, you know, I don't remember if we reported or not. I think we did, but I, I was told that he kind of wanted to follow that Alabama model of having a coach that deals with kind of speed training and then another coach that handles the weight room. Mm-hmm. And the one coaches I don't think I've ever said this publicly. I might have. I think we might have reported it. I don't remember. Again, I've slept since then. <laughs> um, the one name that I heard come up talking about how you're going to split those duties, Tory Beckton's name came up really early mm-hmm. when it started putting the staff together. Yeah. But the guy he really wanted was Cass Kaz at SMU, who's now with Sonny Dykes at TCU. The problem was, I don't know if it was Cass Kaz was our brow strength coach at Baylor, so I don't know if that was a non-starter, or talks just didn't get that far down the road, but he was that was the one name that I had heard that Texas had interest in. And it's like, once that talk died, it was just kind of, okay, now it's just Torrey Beckton, And I'm thinking, okay, but you wanted to follow this Bama model, and Hire both two guys to fill it, whatever. I think, Rob, that could be a way to get back into it. If you yeah. tell Tommy Moffitt, hey, I just want you to focus on the weight room. It's all you got to do. You, know, you handle the weight room, Tori Beckton's going to – because Tori Beckton's background is as, is as a track guy. Okay. It's, as, it's as a speed training guy. Okay. So if you hire somebody to handle the weight room, I don't know if Tommy Moffitt would be interested in that. But if I'm Sark, I'd make the call.
2: I would make the call. Now, yeah, with your point, I guess you don't want to be – you don't want to fire coaches because you want to still keep consistency. I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if Moffitt will be down for that because he probably wants total control. I'm weary.
0: Can, I'm weary of that. Just the the Benny Wiley Jeff Madden situation just makes me weary of you know having a strength coach and hiring somebody else to kind of fill a role. I agree.
2: Yeah, but I mean that's something you have to consider because even though Sark says the you know all of the different data analytics that they have, right, these sensors that they have on the players indicated that there was not a, f- a drop-off in strength and conditioning late in the fourth quarter. I test would tell you otherwise. Uh,
0: is it weird that that's kind of the one area that, I don't want to say reluctant, but hadn't really been willing to go there in no. strength conditioning?
2: No, nobody. Well, well yeah, and I, I think clearly the defensive line lost strength. Like he's there. There was, a, there was a there was a there was a the players indicated at the Big Twelve media days that they had been told they want you to lose weight, lose weight, right? All the guys were talking about that. Now I want me lose mm-hmm. weight. I'm gonna get slim. I'm gonna be slim. They were yeah. joking about slim, slim, slim. Okay. Well, they also lost strength. They got slimmer and mm-hmm. lost strength. He yeah. wanted them to be able to play more downs. He wanted the D line to be able to have a little bit more endurance. Well, they yeah maybe they had more endurance. I don't know, but they definitely lost strength. They definitely got pushed around a lot. So. Getting back to your point about track guy, okay, yeah, maybe they were you know more
1: better conditioned, but they lost the strength. You want to keep both at a high level, and that's another thing we've talked so much about continuity, and it affects you in so many different ways. And when you have new philosophies being put into the body types of these players, Mm -hmm. you know it's going to have much of a different change in transition, especially then if you're questioning the methods that are going down upon them too. Interesting.
0: I said I don't, I don't know that Tory Beckton is doing a bad job, but it's almost like. Sark had this plan, plan didn't work out, and then now you just completely abandoned the plan. Exactly. And, like, that's
2: – Yeah. So ah. was that the plan or was that just the idea you were taking from Saban and now you're like, ah, it's too hard? I, I don't it's know. It's easier to just go to one Well, like he said,
0: like, he's, he's talked very openly about the quarterback position, about their deficiencies up front on both lines of scrimmage. About the issues defensively as a whole, he's questioning football like you. Mm-hmm. Like strength conditioning is the one area where I even asked him about it in the, the Monday I before that. the K State game, and all he said was, uh, "Coach Beckton's got a plan. We haven't had a chance to sit down and look at it yet." Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Like, yeah.
1: it, it almost was. sounds as if he it's he's not an expert in that field and There's is letting about it. the guy that's the expert be the guy that puts it all on his shoulders. It also is a that's way dangerous. that you can quickly sever yourself from that, the situation. Yeah, that's dangerous though. Oh yeah, for sure. Let something like that go unchecked. If you're going to check everything, that's one thing. Also, you need to vet. It's yeah, just but sort if of you're going to, if he gonna, isn't going to, if he's willing to talk about other things and not that one, that may be a reason. If you're
0: going to go through this process of reevaluating the program and seeing what you did right and what you did wrong in year one, that's a pretty damn big component of it. Huge mm-hmm. conditioning huge, huge. Yep. And when we talk about player development, that's a really big part of it. You know, injury prevention and recovery is a really big part of it. Like there's. I said, Rod, you put it best a couple of weeks ago, probably a couple months ago now. At this point, like we talk about player development, has been the issue with Texas over the last decade plus. But within that that bubble of player development, that's like it's got so many technical tentacles, and it's just like this amoeba that just keeps sprouting different different whatever. Every time you address one, no,
2: every time you address one issue within talent development, and then That sprouts into, well, it could be four or five other factors that are affecting this one major issue of talent Mm -hmm. development. And you have like seven or eight of those. It it is. It's multifactorial on a lot of levels. And that's how deep Sark's got to get into it this offseason. And strength and conditioning is a big part of it. And that's dietitians and your nutritionists. And then that's the, oh man, it is right. You got injury prevention, so you got the training staff you gotta throw in there with that too. That is, uh, yeah, that's a Herculean task, um, and it maybe like Matt says, he's like, I got so much to worry mm-hmm. about on the field right now. I don't really have time to dive into the, you know, that <laughs> that that puzzle, right? Yeah. That that is that, you know, that labyrinth that mm-hmm. is strength and conditioning and diet and nutrition and all that other stuff that that science that he really hasn't had the time to research just yet. Mm-hmm. And if he still not sound like an idiot, uh, if he doesn't really know anything about it. not saying we know a lot about it, but I'm just saying I test would tell you that I, I think the defensive line lost strength in whatever their goal was to try to gain more endurance and, and better conditioning. And I think in the fourth quarter of games and in the second half of games, <clears throat> your team – was out coached and outplayed now some of that may have nothing to do with strength and conditioning but i think some of it does mm-hmm. and that's you got to address how much of it is factored into that
0: yeah uh tom herman used to get really aggravated when i would ask him to like quantify something like, you guys always want me to quantify it. well sark has to quantify how much of it is strength and conditioning
2: yeah. yeah so some of it is as it coach
0: that's your job to quantify yeah
2: it. exactly so
0: okay. Okay, so we've hit that. Let's go ahead and talk Quinn Ewers. So we've hit the strength conditioning, the Gary Patterson deal. Let's talk Quinn Ewers. Not a whole lot to report. If you've been following it at Horns 24 7, we've kept you updated about as much as we can based on what Mike Roach's intel has told him, based on what's been out there publicly. We know he's met with Steve Sarkeesian already. And obviously, we're talking about Quinn Ewers, the Ohio State nice. transfer, former number one overall prospect in the country out of South Lake Carroll. We know that he's met with Steve Sarkeesian. We know that he's made a visit to Texas Tech. We know he made a visit to TCU on Monday. It, everything that we heard leading up to the time that when we heard buzz a few weeks ago that, hey, he might be going into the portal. Texas was going to be the odds-on favorite. But Texas is going to be the favorite if he enters the portal. He's in the portal. I know everybody freaked out about the Texas Tech visit. And, yes, mm-hmm. Texas Tech is apparently prepared to go with a lot of NIL dollars for him. There's a relationship with Patrick Mahomes through Bobby Stroop who trains both guys in the offseason. There's obviously that bleeds into the Zach Kittley relationship. Mm-hmm. There's still this rumor floating around that maybe Riley Dodge ends up with a staff position on Joey McGuire's staff. There's a lot of stuff Tech has going for it. But Rod, I haven't heard anything yet to back me off of that premise that as we sit here right now Tuesday morning recording this show, I haven't heard anything to back me off the stance that Texas is the odds-on favor for Quinn Ewers. If you were going to go to Vegas and put some money down on who ends up with Quinn Ewers, I still think the smart money's on Texas.
2: Yeah, I think they have as good a shot as anybody, right, in, in this conversation. And who's in the conversation now? It's just officially Texas, Texas Tech. Is TCU there and A&M?
0: TCU's there. I don't think A&M's much
2: of a factor. A&M see. not a factor at all? Yeah. I mean, I think out of, it'd be an upset if Texas didn't get them. They, I mean, it'd be a huge upset if they didn't get
0: him I think for new regimes, especially Joey McGuire Trying to get something established at Texas Tech And to a lesser extent for Sonny Dykes at TCU Because at least Sonny Dykes has, has Max Duggan At least you've got a veteran quarterback that's at least done some things yeah. And we've seen Sonny Dykes can hit the portal and find a quarterback No matter who it is And kind of plug and play with that Isn't offense a,
2: like, is it Chandler Morris or something? In, in oh,
0: and he's got Chandler Morris too So QB? there's that yeah. part of it too um, so Sonny Dykes has some quarterbacks That you feel like with his offense they're going to be fine But I think more importantly for Joey McGuire I think even to just get Quinn Ewers on campus That says A lot about it. I think that would turn some heads Like okay, what's going on at Texas Tech To get Quinn Ewers On your campus to get him interested in you When he probably wouldn't have given you the time of day before That's true. And to a lesser extent for TCU It's a different ball game for Sark. Yes C. Sarkisian wants Quinn Ewers Tech- Texas is not in a position Where they can say well I mean I and I know we. This is this is the thing that I dislike about when coaching tenures start to get to a point where okay now you've got to start putting results on the field now it's imperative that after five and seven you start winning ball games. You'd like to say Rod that you need to go through cull through every offer you make cull through this roster and say hey we need to get the bad apples out of here we can't worry about and we gotta we gotta make sure the culture's right and I'm not saying Quinn Ewers is a bad apple that's not at all what I'm saying but I'm saying for everybody this question well I mean. Does he want the job just handed to him, and how you know how much is he invested in winning, or is he more about nil? Whatever, can't worry about that. At that position, you can't.
2: Yeah, you just got to bring in bodies. You need to bring in QBs, and Coward. you need to understand that there's going to be at least a fifty percent transfer rate for every blue chip you bring in. You guys at twenty four seven did that study a long time ago, uh, and that's just that's that's remained at that. I think that rate, and it's actually even higher for top 10 quarterback prospects nationally. So, with, one time,
0: with one time transfer now,
2: yeah. yeah one, well, no, before the one time transfer.
0: Yeah, but I think especially now you're yes, going exactly. to see I it,
2: gonna it, even even more more so. Yeah, exactly. Now it's going to be even up, more so. Yeah, now even more so. So you can't account for why a player, why a quarterback is going to want to transfer. You just have no idea. All you can do is bring in as many quarterbacks as possible in the room, as many talented quarterbacks, and let the chips fall where they may. Because even your quarterback evaluation is going to be off. All that's going to be off. The injury rate, the quarterback evaluation overall. Some guys are just bust. Some guys change positions. Go look at Tech. Since 2006, you recruited and signed with 21 quarterbacks. Only one of them has been a multiple-year starter. One. It's crazy. One. Think about that. Let that sink in. Sam Ellington was it. Your Case McCoy had one year, and then other than that, he's competing. David Ash, one year, ends up getting hurt. He's competing. You had one multiple-year starter out of those 21 quarterbacks since 2006. It ain't all bad evaluation. Some guys change positions. You had some guys just get injured. You had some guy, a lot of guys transferred. At least, hell, let's have one. I think you had 10 out of those 21 end up transferring. Mm-hmm. So it, it you can't control any of that. Sark's going to do better because he's considered a quarterback guru, we hope. Um, he'll have a better success rate, but the truth is you can't control any of that.
0: Yeah.
2: And at Texas, maybe one of the worst examples, but it's like that all over the country. It's more money, more problems. It's one of those problems you want to have. It's like yes. paying a higher tax rate because you got a lot more money than everybody else. It's like, yeah, you're going to complain about it, but it's a problem you want to have. You're going to have a higher attrition rate in the quarterback room because you're bringing in more blue chip talented quarterbacks. And, and, and then you got to let the chips fall where they may. And some of those guys don't want the competition. Some of those guys feel like they have a better opportunity elsewhere, whatever it may be. You can't control that. All you can control is the talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. Keep bringing them in. Malik For sure. Murphy and then bring in Quinn Ewers, and then, hell, bring in somebody else. And he's like, that's crazy. No, because Hudson Card and Casey Thompson, Warner, both of those guys are going to transfer.
0: We were talking about that before Quinn Ewers even entered the picture. We were sitting here saying last week, hey, there's a better chance than not that one of those guys is gone.
2: One of them gone. Hell, you might have. If you bring in Malik Murphy and Quinn Ewers, both of them could be gone.
0: Very slim, (laughs) very, very slim chances, even before before Quinn Ewers entered the picture. It's a very slim chance of both Casey Thompson and Hudson Card we're going to be on your roster in 2022. That's just
2: the reality of it now. That's the reality of quarterback of quarterback development and evaluation in 2021. And like you said, now with the new uh, transfer transfer waiver without penalty, to one time it, it's going to increase even more. Yeah, this, and this is the way it is. I mean, this guy went made what two three million dollars at Ohio State for playing three snaps, getting the cash. And you know what? This recruitment is going to be all about the bag too. Let's be honest. Yeah. Who can offer him the most money? And, and looks, Texas should win that battle. That's why it's an upset if Texas doesn't win. Because you should be able to offer him the biggest name, image, and likeness deal for any quarterback in the country. Even Nick Saban has said before the season started, oh, my quarterback's going to make a million dollars. I mean, it's just it's the reality of it. Yeah,
1: It's and just the game we play now. Don't hate the play, I hate the game. And the situation is, like you are saying, it comes with the talent. If you're going to be going after and getting the top talents in the country, you can't be afraid of this straw man about, oh, what about the NIL? It's like... That has nothing to do with it. NIL is only going to help places like Texas where you can have framework of these different you know organizations that are able to help steer things uh, through the actual legal ways these days instead of the old Sherwood blunts that would be doing it under the (laughs) table you know like think about that now there's always those guys (laughs) that don't want to have to deal with it the right way but like this is only good for Texas having things like the uh, framework around and to be having that used as a potential fear for a top talent if that's the way you think You you can't go recruit any five stars, and that's just something not a reality. You need to go after the best talent that you can get at all positions, and quarterback's the most valuable one. Yep.
0: Yeah, so I don't think there's any question that this is the right move for Sark to make. I think it's the only move you can make. And look, at the end of the day, like, Quinn Ewers was committed to Texas for a reason. He grew up wanting to be the quarterback at Texas. That family is a Texas family. It would be an upset at the end of the day if he's not at Texas. And you know what? <sighs> I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I've sat here the last few weeks and talked about it. I do think this is a rebuild, and, and you're going if you're Sark, you, you you hope Sark is the right guy that can construct it properly to rebuild. Because, Rod, not, not the idea. We, we see it in professional sports all the time. The idea of a rebuild and the execution of said rebuild, brother, those are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You can you can try to rebuild, but does your organization have the stomach for it number one. Number two, more importantly, do you have the right guy in place that knows how to properly build a roster?
2: Yeah. No, that's it. I, I think And there's a lot there's
0: gonna be a lot of like it's a lot. Lou, like look at look at the Astros situation, right? Building it from a from the just the, mm, the start horrific, The, the horrific shape that organization mm. was in. They started and they started they started,
2: they started at the ground level building it.
0: But they yeah. they got they got lucky on some things. Like they had the year where they took Brady Aiken and then he had the what's the elbow problem. So they end up they end up getting some draft yeah. pick conversa- co- compensation for that. Yeah. And then boom, what do they do with that draft pick compensation? They get Alex Bregman out of that. No,
2: you're right about that. They had some luck.
0: You know they they took Carlos Correa number one. They took him number one overall to save money on the back end. One of the two picks they signed later in the draft with colors, But
1: they were all so, in on the rebuilding. Yeah, they, intense, they were all they they were pad pad in on it, but, the they, up. but mm-hmm. they
0: made smart moves. And like I said, with the Brady Aiken move, they got lucky. So a lot of stuff that has to go right when you do one of these overhauls. And I think, honestly, I think Texas is in that position. And I know I feel like I'm bouncing all over the place here. Oh, I'll, get that back, I'll, get, analogy
1: well, I'll get back. i get spot on. I'll get
0: back to Sark like and Quinn Ewers and that whole deal here in a second. But I think people like look at Baylor, right? And they say, "Well, Baylor was two and seven last year under Dave Aranda, and, and now they just won a Big Twelve championship." Okay, well, not taking anything away from Dave Aranda. I told you guys, I, I hung out a little bit with Dave Aranda at coaching school, even in that twenty minute window that I got with him. Really, I'm a fan of Dave Aranda. I like Dave Aranda. Yeah. but Dave Aranda won a Big Twelve championship. With a roster full of guys, Matt Rule evaluated and started developing. Mm-hmm. And yes, this Baylor staff had to do that, but think about where Baylor was in year one under Matt Rule. They were one in eleven. They they did strip it down to the studs and did a full-on rebuild.
2: Second one. Rebuilt the is.
0: culture, rebuilt our, the roster,
2: yeah. everything. So our brows rebuilt it too.
0: So that process of tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding, you got to have the stomach for it, you got to have the right guy for it. But I also think about this. <laughs> quarterback is a weird situation because while you're in the midst of this rebuild, if the Quinn Ewers thing ends up working out and he comes to Texas, you th- you'd like to think about the future. Okay, what does this do for Arch Manning? And even while we are talking about a full-on rebuild and adding talent to the quarterback room, man, if this costs you Arch Manning, then that's just the cost of doing business
2: at this yeah, point. Yeah, you can't work like that. You can't operate like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean that's not a sure Matt thing. Brown, you know, when he was bringing in top quarterbacks, he didn't operate like that. He brought in he brought in Chris Sams, even though <clears throat> Major Applewhite was doing his thing. He brought in uh, – hell, he recruited Eli Manning, actually. Yeah. <laughs> even around the time he had and Sims. And he started recruiting V.Y. Chance Mark was a five-star. I mean, he, he just said, now, nah, I'm going to stockpile quarterbacks and I'll worry about – the issues and circumstances that arise later. Where does fall into that? Yeah, you worry about that stuff later on. Where does Norco
0: fall into that, Rod?
2: Nordco's around that time. I I don't remember star story or whatever. But, yeah, I don't remember. So I'm not trying to diss Nordco.
1: Love Nordco, man. Total package. Total package. (laughs) But, like, you can't go into the season, and if Texas A sucks next year, it's going to probably not help you to get somebody like Manning the next year. The focus right now is to continue to build. And if you continue to build and show progress, you have an even better shot. At a guy like Art. I think Sark's the biggest issue. Yeah, because I, I think you're, you're right. You're spot on, Jeff.
2: But the biggest issue for Sark now, because I will still say talent acquisition for Texas has always been pretty easy because you're Texas and you're, you're in Austin. <laughs> you're the flagship school in the state of yeah. Texas. It's um, why you're a so front runner for years. You, yeah, like you are, you've always been in those discussions to get the top players ever since I was going to Texas, and you should be. And now with name, imaging like likeness, you should be the capital. Uh, basically the name image just like this capital of college football. Like you sh- that you, you have that type of potential um, when you look at these socioeconomic factors here in Austin. And, of course, they print money on the 40 acres and look at the worth of the brand, the value of the brand. Sark's biggest issue is not going to be talent acquisition. It makes it really easy. Honest, you could argue right now it's the easiest time ever in the history of college football for a rebuild. You got transfer report. You got one time transfer uh, rule without penalty. You got all those things that are help and name image and like You got oh, everything's helping you rebuild. Rebuild shouldn't take that long, because you got a, t- a ton of things that are working in your favor to help you rebuild. His biggest issue is going to be building the culture. The culture here has been toxic for. Decades and everybody knows it. And now, one of the biggest issues and elements adding to that toxicity has been the cash flow because we got so much of it and it fixes our problems, right? So now you're throwing even more money at that. We've talked about how Texas recruits the wrong blue chips, the wrong five stars, the wrong four stars. Why Texas got the entitled four and five stars? How come everybody else gets the ones that work hard and the, the guys that have they prioritize winning and they prioritize, you know, the Uh, the the brand and bringing back whatever institutions they're playing for. Texas guys don't do that. They come in for South by Southwest, ACL, and for the gram, all right? They don't come here to play for Texas. They came here to play at Texas, all right? So how do you now get those guys who are coming in making 50 Gs off top, 150 Gs off top, how do you get them now to focus on football and prioritize bringing back the brand when now my brand is what matters? You want me to worry about your brand? my brand? This is the my brand era. This is the Kardashian era. It is real now. Pro, it is pro football at the college level. It's done. It is official. I'm happy for him. I'm happy mm-hmm. for everybody. Hell, it's, it's great. It's, it it should have happened a long time ago. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena, Riem-Size, Serena, butt is, don't forget Cardi B, is that Texas has been dealing with a cultural issue here. And no coach has been able to solve it. And one of the elements that is, I think, adding to the toxicity, not that it's bad, it helps, Texas. it's a, it's a gift and a curse, is the money. There's the entitlement. They talked about Texas being a country club, right? Mm-hmm. Charlie talked about it when he got here. Of course it's a country club. We, got, we print money over on it because only the Catholic Church got more money than Texas is what Red McCombs said. All those things are true. But it also is true that you now have to build a culture around bringing back the brand of Texas and now having those young men and women, I guess. now I'll take it just men because, honestly, the other sports don't deal with this. Mm-hmm. Because there's not enough money focused on those other this sports. Football helps the money it. is it's in football, and that's where it is. So how do you focus those young men? Off to stop worrying about their brands, which now they should be worried about more than ever. Because yeah. building my brand makes me money. I could be a millionaire before I leave college. You'd be an idiot not to build your brand. How do you get them now to focus on ball, football, and the Texas brand? You couldn't do it back then. You couldn't do it without in name, image, likeness. Now you're going to name, image, and this? You're going to be able to do it with name, image, and this? How you going to make them watch extra film now when they got work to do, when they got endorsements? Are you going to make them watch extra film now? So, uh, listen, I'm, I'm happy for all this. It's all great. Texas is going to get the talent. They always got the damn talent. Acquiring talent has never been an issue. Talent development has been the issue. My point is now, you better get the culture right. Build that football culture. You got to get this culture right because if you don't, it's going to be a toxic soup of cash and selfishness and entitlement and spoiled country clubs, shoulda, woulda, coulda, up That is a chance. There's a chance that could happen if you don't get the culture
1: yeah. right. And that's where evaluation. You know it's true. In- Every Longhorn
2: fan knows it's true. And we're to deal with it because, hey, man, it's about that's the game that we play now. I don't hate to play hate the game. But get the culture right, man, because if you don't, whoo, whoo this is stuff you try to raise your kids against. Like, yes. all right, no, no, don't be entitled. Don't be selfish. We want you to think about the community. We want you to think about being, you know, altruistic. We want you about being giving and charitable and all these different things. So, you make sure you got the balance, Sark. Because if you lose, if you lose that, if you lose the culture here and you don't have a grasp on it, ooh. It could get ugly fast.
1: And that's where, like, the idea of building that football culture and, like, you hear coaches talk about, you know, it's all we've always talked about the unquantifiable aspect of a player's personality and having to know how to recruit the right player for the right fit. And how, like, you know, you talk about, And we've heard even this team and these players talk about, you know, good teams are player led teams that have players that have these like minded abilities to where you have that pure accountability and being able to. And some coaches either have a good way to understand who fits within their culture and their system. But you've heard people talk about, you know, having that awareness and trying to recruit a kid that's gonna go and have that type of, you know, hunger to be great or love the game or whatever it is that is your specific niche of culture. And that's the one hard thing that is, is we've talked about evaluating these players by their football skills or then their NFL prototype, if you're looking at other ranges. But the one aspect that every individual 85 personalities that you bring in to make that team, being able to make sure that you are getting the kid that you think you're recruiting or that you're evaluating the kid's Correctly, that's very, very valuable, and it's always been something that's been a really, really hard recipe to. And no one's ever going to find like the exact one, but certain people do it better than others, and those are the ones that get those type of environments that breed that competition and that type of urge to win or that uh, almost like your your crazy your competitive sickness, theory, you know that players have to. They're out there and watching film because it's like their own personal interest, and they love. To do these type of things and of the game. so it's just even more valuable at this point.
0: The only guy that's been able to do it consistently in the in the era of eighty five scholarships of Texas is Mac Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, Darrell Royal did it, but that was bad. that was pre eighty five scholarships, yeah. and it, there was a college football was light that's years the different then. It
1: was a lot easier for today. Texas and Oklahoma those. Schools, but Rob, right. we
0: talked about it like you know your senior year. You look at that two thousand two recruiting class that came in. The culture was was to a point. And the talent level is to a point that, you know, now, if you took that 2002 class now and put him in Texas and say, okay, uh, within the first probably two or three years, two years of that class, Mm -hmm. Doreen McCullough, Robert Timmons, Garnett Smith, you're going to have three or four guys, Marquise Johnson, three or four high quality signees, they're going to be gone. It kills this program. It did, it was a blip on the radar.
2: Yeah. Didn't even back in the day. Really even, yeah. It it didn't even rattle us at all. We didn't lose high quality. We lost. I remember Kendrick Turner. KT. we used to lose a lot of guys. Oh. like that good player. Hi, uh, my man Kenny Kenny Hider was a mm-hmm. good running back.
0: Er, I Eric Carterman's another one. People yeah. say Eric yes. Carterman might have been the most talented running back ever. In Texas. Yes, Cedric Benson and Sylvan Young. Did miss a beat. So. <laughs> yes.
2: no, that's a great point, man. We kept it moving because the culture was right. The culture was right.
0: Yeah. Mac had standards yeah. on how he wanted how, and Mac was in the building process. It, through phase one of the building process, no, let's right. call. By the time you're senior, year, that was his first full recruiting class. You guys mm-hmm. got to be seniors, so no. there's an expectation, yeah. for how to work. No. And I know you credited the Casey Hamptons and Aaron Humphrey, the guys like that, early on in your career for setting the tone. But it that's is. that's how it happens. You look at places now. Alabama's one of those places where that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Why why do five stars work out at Alabama? Because if you don't, there's one right behind you that's probably going to take your job and. You're that just, easy. just going yeah. down the road wherever.
1: And we always look back at that cliff Texas fell off on after 09, and we look at the 09 class. But if you look back at, like, sort of the culture setting, Mac really didn't like that 07 team. And he talked about he the talked environment about and stuff. Yeah. And those are, like, the type of things that maybe instill those things. And I remember us being like, man, Malcolm Williams looks like he's going to be a freak. he's going to be one of the best players. And then, like, he just isn't playing football anymore. And you have a whole class in 09 happen where then you have a quick fall off, but you can sort of see whenever the few-year period, a few top-end players can mask those things that are more problematic issues that were probably plaguing Texas. Yeah.
0: Sark and this staff have to have to do a phenomenal job this offseason of establishing that culture. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I know we got to wrap it up, but one of the things, if you look back at Texas, kind of the path to winning that national championship, <laughs> if you look at that offseason, 03 going into 04, when Dick Tomey and Greg Robinson came in, they established some things like the not our standards, and you know, th- there was a way you were going to work. Now, granted, this program is in a much different position oh, yeah. than that program was in. That program, you're talking about, can you do that little extra to tweet. win a national championship? Yeah. Now, we're talking about, can you do that little extra to be a team that can consistently be, be in be the a conversation?
2: a bowl team. <laughs> you can so, make a bowl
0: game. <laughs> it's an apples and oranges deal, but that going back to what we talked about at the top with staff changes and strength conditioning, Sark has to evaluate every single aspect of this program. Man, if you feel like your training staff isn't doing a great job of getting guys back on the field, then get a damn new training staff. Yep, leave no rock unturned. It, it's like you said, Rod, It's we fo- because we're so close to signing day, we focus so much on the talent acquisition part of it. And, yes, that is Sark's number one priority. But as soon as you put this to bed – you're immediate, you have to devote just as much time, energy, effort, and focus yep. on making sure your culture is right. And what are you doing to hone in on that talent development part that's just crippled this program yep. for the last 12
2: years? No, Matt's right. Because Shanahan told me years ago, he said, you don't worry about the culture. You bring in the right people, culture will take care of itself. And then leadership will naturally, organically develop from your positive, cultivated culture you have. Right now, Texas doesn't have leadership because they don't have a good culture. Which means they don't have the right people. And
0: is Sark. You can't
2: learn from (laughs) that. Is
0: Sark the right guy? And are these coaches the right coaches to establish that culture? Yeah.
2: That's the question. Yeah.
0: It's gonna determine that's gonna determine what the tone and tenor of our conversations are a year from now. And it's gotta
2: start this offseason,
0: like immediately. Like pretty much once you put the signing class to bed, once you close out this window, yes, you'll have some priority targets, but once you get back in January, there can be no feeling out process. You've got to hit the ground running when his team gets back to work in January. All right, we'll talk more about roster development and uh, how this 2022 Texas roster is going to be put together. We'll do that next week. On the show But right now It is time for us To wrap this thing up Matt thanks for everything man You're more than welcome we appreciate the time And the knowledge
2: Anytime brother Anytime Introducing the Two-Way V4 Where groundbreaking Fuel Cell technology Meets fresh foam cushioning For the ultimate performance With Fuel Cell Each step feels
1: explosive Delivering unparalleled Energy return Paired with fresh foam Experience maximum comfort Throughout the game It's lightweight Textile upper Offers support And breathability Without
2: sacrificing agility Whether you're hitting The clutch shot Or locking down The opposite position the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com
0: for matt for rod for everybody at the austin radio network and the horn 1049-1019 am 1260 streaming on the horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear rod and me each and every weekday from on from three to seven with kevin dunn on rbkd Same as fuck. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page.
1: Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz.
0: Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcasts. Click the follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Now streaming on Paramount+. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.